Hello, it's the first day of November, and welcome to our Tuesday edition of Korea 24. I'm your host, Kwon Jang-woo. South Korea's police chief, the interior minister, and the mayor of Seoul have all admitted to failures in preventing the Itaewon crowd crush tragedy, which killed over 150 people. We'll have the latest updates in news briefing shortly. Later, we have a special in-depth discussing the collective trauma that the country is experiencing from the Itaewon incident and the impact that it can have. And coming up, we'll also be analysing in another in-depth how Korea's financial bond markets were shaken recently after the default of Legoland Korea. We have all that and more on today's Korea 24. We continue our special coverage of the Itaewon crowd crush incident on Korea 24. As we did on Monday, we'll be foregoing our weekly segments, such as sports, culture, as well as morning edition preview, to bring you additional updates and in-depth interviews on the incident. And we will carry on with that format until the end of the week. We start now with news briefing and the latest headlines. And to bring us that today, we have Kim Ingyung, the Deputy Editor-in-Chief for KBS World Radio English News, joining us now in the studio. Hello and welcome to our show. Hello, thanks. Now, before we go into the main headlines of the day, tell us if there's been any change in the number of fatalities and injuries. Unfortunately, yes. The death toll has risen by one from Monday to 156. According to the Central Disaster and Safety Countermeasures Headquarters, a woman in her 20s who sustained critical injuries in the crowd surge died at 8.49 a.m. today as her condition worsened. Her death came after another woman in her 20s died while receiving treatment on Monday to become the 155th victim of the tragic accident. As of 11 a.m. Tuesday, the number of people injured in the accident stood at 151, with 29 in critical condition. Among the dead, 101 victims are women and 55 are men, with those in their 20s accounting for the largest portion at 104, followed by those in their 30s at 31 and 12 teenagers. The number of foreigners killed in the accident remained at 26 from 14 countries, including Iran, China, Russia, the US, Japan, Australia and France. Now, three days after the deadly incident, uh, the head of the South Korean police has admitted that his agency failed to preemptively respond to rising risks in the Itaewon area before the tragedy. So what did he say exactly? Taking a deep bow before and after a media briefing, Police Commissioner General Yoon Higgin noted that there were repeated 112 emergency calls by concerned citizens pointing to possible accidents, Let's hear it in his own words. We have found that there were multiple 112 emergency calls that point to the seriousness of the situation immediately before the accident. There were urgent calls in reference to the risk of possible accidents by the crowd surge. Despite that, we have concluded that the response at the scene was insufficient. He said the police have launched an independent investigation unit to get to the bottom of the accident and to determine whether adequate steps were taken by police, as well as other government agencies in charge of public safety. Here's the police commissioner again. We will thoroughly check whether the 112 emergency calls were properly addressed. 
We will also investigate whether police measures on the scene, as well as commanding officers' responses, were appropriate without exceptions. I understand Interior Minister Lee Sang-min also apologised to the Korean public for failing to prevent the accident, as well as a tearful apology from Seoul Mayor Oh Seon as well. That's right. During a briefing to the National Assembly's Public Safety Committee, Minister Lee said the state bears infinite responsibility for the safety of the people and extended an apology as the Cabinet Minister overseeing public safety. This comes after he told reporters on Sunday that the crowd crush wasn't something that could have been prevented simply by dispatching more police officers and firefighters to the sites in advance, which sparked intense public criticism. Later in the day, Seoul Mayor Oh Se-hoon also apologized over the Halloween crowd crush in a tearful media briefing. He said the Seoul city government will do its best to mobilize all its administrative power until all funeral procedures are completed and the bereaved families, the injured and all citizens who feel sorrow from this accident can return to their daily lives. Meanwhile, President Yoon Sang-yeol called for thorough measures to guarantee safety at mass gatherings, both with and without official organizers. Can you tell us more? Yes, as hard as it is to believe, the police have been blaming the scant police presence and inadequate crowd control in Itaewon on the night of the tragedy, on a lack of safety management guidelines when an organizer is not designated for an anticipated large gathering of people. At today's cabinet meeting, Yun said the accident has underlined the importance of crowd management. The president stressed the need for systematic research and development in crowd management through the use of drones and cutting-edge digital capabilities. He also announced plans to convene a meeting of cabinet members and experts to check up on the nation's safety management system saying related guidelines should extend to sporting and cultural events. To cope with the trauma that people must feel, Prime Minister Han Dok-soo said today that the government will provide counselling and psychological treatment for the bereaved families of those killed, those who were injured, and to ordinary citizens as well. Can you tell us more about this plan? Sure. Prime Minister Han said that in addition to those who lost loved ones, people at the scene as well as the general populace have suffered psychological shocks from the tragedy. To help them, the government will offer support through the Seoul Mental Health Welfare Center and the National Center for Disaster and Trauma. As six students were among the victims, the government will also seek ways to strengthen safety education, including safety rules for crowded venues at schools. Okay, let's move on to other headlines for today. Uh, The largest South Korea-U.S. joint air drills in five years started yesterday. Uh, Tell us if there's been any new developments. Right. We know today that the U.S. Marines' latest stealth fighters, the F-35B, landed in the Korean Peninsula for the first time to participate in the exercise. According to U.S. Forces Korea, four F-35B stealth fighters from the U.S. Marine Corps Air Station in Iwakuni, Japan, arrived at the U.S. air base in Kunsan, North Chola province. During the vigilant storm aerial exercise running through Friday, the U.S. will dispatch some 100 assets, while the South Korean Air Force is expected to deploy some 140 planes. The Allies have planned a record of more than 1,600 stories during the training, in an apparent bid to send a strong warning to North Korea, which is widely speculated to have completed preparations for a seventh nuclear test. Did North Korea have anything to say in response to the exercise? Yes, North Korea has warned that it could consider more powerful follow-up measures in response to continued military provocations by the United States. A spokesman from the North's foreign ministry, 
issued the warning in a statement carried by the KCNA on Tuesday regarding the start of the vigilance storm drill. The spokesperson said that North Korea is ready to take all measures necessary to defend its sovereignty, its people's security, and its territorial integrity from outside military threats. In other North Korea-related news, South Korea has co-sponsored a United Nations resolution on human rights in North Korea that was submitted to the General Assembly on Monday. It was the first time in four years that Seoul has co-sponsored the resolution. That's right. Seoul's co-sponsorship of the resolution marks the first in four years after refraining from criticism of the North on human rights issues in consideration of such a move's impact on inter-Korean relations. This stance was reversed by the Yoon Song-yeon administration. The foreign ministry said today that the resolution led by the European Union was introduced to the third committee of the General Assembly at its 77th session held in New York the day before. It said South Korea has actively joined global discussions, including those at the UN, based on the stance that the North Korean human rights issue is a matter of universal rights that requires a consistent response based on principles. And finally, turning to the latest on the liquidity crunch in the bond market induced by a 205 billion won default by a project financing contractor for Legoland Korea. Uh, I understand we have some developments on this front. Right. Today, the nation's five major financial groups pledged 95 trillion won in liquidity by the year's end. The announcement was made following a meeting between Financial Services Commission Chairman Kim Joo-hyun and the heads of... The five financial groups, KB, Shinhan, Hana, Uri, and Nonghyup. The FSC chief underscored the group's role and responsibility within the local financial markets as he requested the provision of an amount worth approximately 67 billion US dollars in liquidity. He also asked the groups to continue to offer credit to small to medium sized enterprises with higher capital requirements and to support vulnerable borrowers that have been disqualified from financial institutions. Of the pledged amount, 73 trillion won will be used to expand market liquidity, another 12 trillion won towards bond and securities market stability funds, and the remaining 10 trillion won for the financing of group affiliates. That's all for our news briefing today. Thank you for those updates. Thank you, Chang The nation is still reeling from the tragedy that struck Halloween festivities in the Itaewon district of Seoul on Saturday night as horrific images from the fateful night spread across social media and news networks. Concerns are growing over the impact it's having not only on the victims' families, survivors and witnesses, but also the general public. Of particular concern are those in their 20s, as most of the victims were in their age group, and this is also a generation that experienced another incident of collective trauma, the 2014 Sewol ferry accident. To discuss the impact this could be having and how best to cope with it, we have Professor Gilad Hirschberger from the Baruch Yivka School of Psychology at Reichman University in Israel, joining us on the line now. Professor, thank you for your time today. Thank you. It's good to be here. Professor, let me start with your first thoughts uh, that came to mind when you heard of the tragic incident that occurred in Seoul? Well, first of all, I'd like to uh, extend my condolences to 
all of the people who were affected by this uh, tragic incident, uh, of course, the family members and the uh, larger community. And, uh, you know, everybody heard about this uh, tragic event and, and was uh, influenced by it. And I think that really is what characterizes uh, a collective trauma event, is that it affects not only the individuals involved, but the entire community. Indeed, thank you for your words of condolence. Uh, so tell us more about trauma. What do we mean when we say trauma? Okay, so I think here we need to distinguish between individual trauma and collective trauma. Mm. The way the uh, American Psychological Association defines trauma is any kind of event that involves a brush with death, either personal death or experiencing the death or the threat of death of others. And very often when we talk about trauma, we, we, we're talking about individual-level trauma, meaning trauma that affects a certain person and maybe a few people around uh, the circle of that uh, person. But when we talk about collective trauma, we're talking about an event that affects a large number of people. Um, it can be an entire nation. It can be the entire world even. Uh, without uh, most of the people affected being in the vicinity of the event. So if we take the uh, the tragedy that happened uh, in Seoul in, uh, on Halloween, then this is an event that has affected uh, many, many people uh, worldwide, and, and certainly uh, people in uh, Korea, even though most of us were nowhere near uh, that event. Right, so you're saying it is possible for people who are not directly affected by a near-death experience or a traumatic incident to experience trauma as well then? Absolutely. I think that one of the interesting things about collective trauma uh, is that uh, if we look at historical collective trauma, then many people are still affected by events that happened to their group sometimes uh, before they were born and maybe even in places that they've never been to. So you can think of uh, maybe uh, you know World War II in, uh, in Korea and Southeast Asia uh, you know, most of the people around today uh, were not alive at the time, but they still carry a collective memory that influences them, a collective mm. memory of trauma. Right. So then how does trauma manifest itself? What impact does it have? Well, it does uh, several things. I think, first of all, we need to uh, understand that not all collective traumas are the same and, and that uh, we need to distinguish between types of collective trauma. And one very uh, interesting variable to look at is whether or not the trauma was an act uh, that was intended or a uh, or, or happenstance. In other words, uh, a terrorist attack is something that was intentional. Someone intended to harm uh, the people who were affected. Um, a hurricane, a flood, are acts of nature that, of course, are, are happenstance. And um, the event that happened in uh, Seoul is, is, of course, somewhat of an event of happenstance. Nobody intended for it to happen, mm. but there was still some human involvement. Mm. It kind of falls uh, in between, and that's very important to understand in terms of how people deal with it and uh, what they do in the aftermath of this event. Right. There are reports uh, from online forums of people uh, saying that uh, they're showing manifestations of their trauma in things like tremors, uh, nausea, nightmares fatigue and crying, uh, is that usual then? Is that the kind of thing we see? Yes, and I think that, again, if we look at this specific uh, event, then there are a few things that uh, it can do. One is it shatters an illusion of invulnerability. Most of us, uh, you know, uh, conduct ourselves in the world uh, having this uh, sense that we are safe, uh, that we're protected, especially when we're among uh, other people, we feel uh, protected. Uh, 
this was an event in which uh, young people went out to celebrate, and many of them did not come uh, back home. And that really shatters this illusion of invulnerability. But there's another factor that's important in this event, and that is that some of the survivors are people who actually trampled other people and they feel like they have caused their death mm. when, in fact, uh, they had no control over their behavior, of course. But, it, 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 you know, they, they still have this lingering sense of uh, deep guilt because uh, their footsteps, it was their action that seemed to have caused the death of others. And that's, of course, very difficult to deal with. And this impact, it could be long term as well, then. When we say things like yeah, nightmares and crying, we, we think that it's perhaps short-term, but there are long-term impacts as well. Yes, of course. So, so here, uh, you know, uh, at the individual uh, psychological level, it's very important to treat these people as soon as possible and uh, make sure that uh, they don't uh, develop a post-traumatic reaction that, that lingers on for a very long time, because it could, you know, you know from past events that people can carry... Trauma for for decades. Uh, hopefully, that's not going to happen in this case. And and there are ways to uh, to treat it. But I think that at the community level, uh, it also does something. You know, it, what is Halloween going to look like uh, next year and and uh, the following year? There's always going to be this uh, sense of loss, this sense of sadness that accompanies uh, the holiday. Uh, there's going to be uh, maybe uh, more uh, interpretation among people who want to celebrate. Uh, in you know among crowds, there may be a certain loss of trust in authority. Just one thing that characterizes events like this is that you trust the authorities to make sure that everything is safe, and then something like this happens, and people may lose their trust in authority. So mm. there there are all kinds of long-term possible effects. Uh, so then, how do we deal? Start to deal with this. Uh, a situation like this? Is there perhaps, should we say, a golden time to deal with trauma before it starts to uh, negatively affect people's lives uh, long term? Uh, yeah, first of all, the golden time is right away. Uh, the sooner the better. Uh, the sooner you, tre you treat people at the individual level, uh, the likely it is that um, they, they can be okay. Well, most people will be okay. It's also important to emphasize uh, that and, and I'm sure in Korea there are many mental health professionals that know exactly what needs to be uh, done. At, uh, at the collective level, it's important to uh, restore this collective sense of safety. It's, it's important to restore a trust in authorities. It's important to uh, for Koreans uh, to be able to go out and celebrate next time and feel that they're safe and feel that they can do it. And uh, you know, one thing that uh, that an event like this can do is. Uh, maybe the next time there's a public celebration, people will be more uh, concerned for um, about sending their children out uh, and worried about uh, participating in such an event. And it is important for the normal civil society to be able to have uh, public festivities without this. Uh, there's been a lot of news coverage, social media posts, videos circulating online. I'm sure that has been haunting a lot of people in recent days as well it's perhaps best to avoid that sort of content. And in fact, experts, uh, psychiatric experts here, have asked the public to refrain from uh, sharing uh, that sort of content and exposing yourselves too much to it. But it's so difficult right. when that's it's everywhere very, around very us. Point. Yeah, that's a very, very important point. In the day and age that we live in today, we are constantly exposed to images of the trauma. And then what happens 
is that not only are we exposed to uh, many traumatic images, but even people who are there and see the imagery, they're exposed to aspects of the trauma that they themselves haven't experienced, but become part of their memory. They create kind of uh, almost like uh, uh, they, they complete their memory of trauma and make it even more traumatizing. We know that by watching uh, videos of an event again and again and again and seeing all the gory images, uh, that can induce uh, uh, post-traumatic symptoms. Um, we know from 9-11, for example, in the United States, that people who live thousands of miles away from the events, if they kept watching the towers fall and people jumping out of buildings and all the terrible things that happened, they also experience post-traumatic symptoms. So it is important to, to stay away and especially keep children away from that, from that image. Another particular concern that I mentioned at the start is that this incident will likely hit those in their 20s the hardest, as most of the victims uh, were in that age group, and I'm sure they'll be able to uh, empathize with them more. But this is also a generation that went through another uh, national incident, the Sherwell ferry accident in 2014. Uh, back then, right. over 300 people died in that incident, and most of them were high school students as well, essentially the same generation as the victims of the Itaewon incident. Could this latest incident yeah. then hit this generation harder after having gone through another traumatic event already less than 10 years later? Yes, that's, uh, that's very possible. If we're talking about the same uh, cohort of uh, young people that have already experienced a uh, shocking event, and again, experiencing an event like that, uh, it could definitely affect them. I can, I can tell you that here uh, in Israel, the uh, generation of... Uh, uh, 20, 25-year-old or maybe a little older uh, who uh, uh, experienced in their childhood the uh, second intifada that we had here uh, in Israel of uh, terrorist attacks, many of them show uh, 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 reactions to that, and it even affects the uh, political landscape of the country. These are people who, whose voting patterns are very specific. We, we have elections today here, by the way, so that's why I'm talking about voting, but uh, uh, the voting patterns uh, are probably highly affected by these uh, childhood events that they experience. Mm. Indeed. Finally, what advice would you give to uh, the general public here in Korea on dealing with this traumatic event? How do we start healing? I think that one of the strengths of uh, uh, Korea, and this is something that uh, you can build on, is that it's a very uh, collectivist uh, culture. with a very strong uh, family ties, community ties. And that's really the hallmark of uh, mental health when it comes to events uh, like that. Um, community assistance, family assistance, um, talking to other people, getting uh, support from other people. That's really the, the most important thing at the community level. Of course, those individuals who are affected need more individual help. But at the community level, that's the, you know, the best advice that I can give. Mm. So reach out to uh, the family and those who you know. Well, the Korean people have suffered through many family, incidents. Community, family and community, that's, uh, that's really the most important thing. Yes, it'll, this is sadly another deep scar left in the Korean people's psyche, but hopefully uh, with time the Korean people will be able to slowly heal and come to term with this latest tragedy. Uh, we'll leave it there. We've been speaking yes, uh, we've been speaking to uh, Gilad Hirschberger. Thank you once again for your time today, and we appreciate your, your advice. Thank you, and have a good day.
The South Korean financial markets were shaken in recent weeks after the default of a contractor in a project financing Legoland Korea in Gangwon province worth $140 million. A liquidity crunch ensued after the Gangwon province governor last month controversially declared not to renew its credit guarantee for the amusement park, causing panic in the bond and commercial paper markets. Although the province has backtracked on the decision and has even promised to pay the overdue debt a month earlier than initially planned, investors remained rattled. To discuss how the situation came about and assess the government's measures so far, we have joining us on the line two expert guests. First, we have Daniel Yu, Head of Global Asset Allocation at Yuan Securities. Mr Yu, hello. Hello. And we also have standing by Professor Pak Sang-in from the Seoul National University's Graduate School of Public Administration. Professor Pak, hello to you too. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. So, Mr. Yu, can you first walk us through what happened with the Legoland project and its credit default? If you look at the overall situation, uh, the Legoland amusement park, the guarantee was done by the Gangwon province. And uh, they have uh, announced that uh, they'll be asking for a default and asking the company the uh, GJC court receivership and obviously that caused the uncertainty in the market uh, and the local government credit rating fell quite sharply from A1 to D and that causes the panic in terms of the overall financial market. Uh, of course they backtracked it but uh, if you look at the uh, current environment of Korea we saw quite significant rise of the interest rate uh, and therefore uh, this kind of speed up the uh, level of the rise of the interest rate and therefore uh, causing the uncertainties and uh, quite a bit of a credit crunch in the overall financial market, including the, the bond market. So uh, this has been a quite uh, wrongfully managed way of dealing the situation in regards to the uh, property market or, I guess, a special product. Were you surprised at how quickly uh, things escalated after the announcement? Um, I think that it was not too much of a surprise because when you see a government, uh, even though it is a local government, deciding not to pay for that kind of guarantees or uh, at least not upholding that guarantee is a very bad signal at the time of tightening monetary policy. So mm. I think this was totally horribly managed, I think, at the, at the time. Right. The question became, if you cannot trust uh, in the bonds issued by the government, then uh, what bonds can you trust in Korea? So, exactly. Professor Park, what is your overall assessment of the situation? What do you make of uh, the, the situation we saw with Legoland Korea? Well, uh, the decision uh, by the, uh, the Gangwon governor, Kim jin was really untimely and very you know, ridiculous and stupid one. So it caused, uh, you know, unexpected uh, credit crunch uh, uh, in the end. Uh, however, I think, I mean, the uh, bond market in Korea uh, has no proper pricing uh, function, uh, due, uh, partly because of the too much of warrants uh, given by the government or the security companies. So, you know, the pricing in the financial market, especially in the bond market, reflects the valuation of the risk. But by giving, you know, the warrants 
by the government or some uh, security company actually uh, mitigated uh, the proper functioning of the uh, bond market. So uh, there has been, you know, mal uh, functioning market, bond market especially in Korea, and there has been, you know, potential uh, problem uh, similar to uh, something happened recently. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it was not totally unexpected one in the sense. Right. So uh, both of you are not holding back on the criticism of the Kangwon provincial governor. Uh, but it wasn't, although that was a, perhaps a trigger to the escalation, uh, there was, mm. you're both saying that there was issues with the bomb marking already, that it was already struggling. Uh, right, mm. Professor Park? Yes, especially you know in uh, the wake uh, wake of the uh, rising interest rate, and also you know the you know Capco, the the biggest state on company in Korea, is in debt in deep uh, deficit uh, due to the low you know electricity uh, price in Korea, and the Capco issued a lot of the bonds uh, also because of the Capco is one of the top rated uh, companies in Korea in the bond market. So the demand for the uh, uh, demands in the bond market has been very strong. And, uh, you know, also due to the this kind of you know, demand and the interest rate situation, the market has been tightened up recently. But in, in addition to that, the so-called regulant uh, hike uh, or the scandal uh, caused by the governor uh, Kim Jin-tae uh, was a blow, a uh, big blow uh, to the market. Mr. Yu, how concerning uh, is the bond market situation in Korea, uh, and how did it get here? Well, I think that it's a, if you look at the bond market itself, uh, the Korea's the, the maturity period of the bond market is much shorter than anywhere else in the world, I would say. Uh, I guess most of the emerging market is in such case, but I think we are getting to the level of developed market. So we need to extend the, elongate the uh, overall maturities. Uh, if you look at the corporate bonds, mostly it's like three years, the government bond also focusing three years. Uh, it's causing, obviously, when you have a very hike in interest rate environment in a short period of time, uh, that causes the value of bonds to go down too significantly. If you look at the some of these uh, PF project related uh, government, uh, sorry, the corporate bond rate, uh, in order to roll over, it hit the 14 percent uh, at the current current point in time. Uh, that's ridiculous, I think, because uh, it's not necessarily really uh, reflecting the financial condition of the companies nor uh, the overall uh, the government situation in terms of the fiscal uh, balance sheet side. So uh, we think that uh, you know having this kind of volatility in the bond market itself is a very negative thing when when we enter a phase of a rising interest rate environment. So uh, we didn't really have seen this kind of uh, rate. A rise in the past, uh, I guess, almost 10 years plus. So I think that when we turned around and see uh, this kind of rising trend is happening, uh, the level of the, uh, I guess, the maturity period elongation is not necessarily done properly, I think. So I guess over the longer period of time, we need to change the maturity period and how uh, financial company as well as companies dealing with this kind of environment. 
Well, in the meantime, there's been a lot of measures that have been taken by the government and the Bank of Korea in reaction to the situation, uh, following an emergency meeting of the country's uh, top economic and financial officials two Sundays ago. Uh, the government said it will expand its liquidity supply programs to 50 trillion won. They include doubling the maximum for corporate bond buying by state-run banks to 16 trillion won. And on Thursday, Gangwon province announced that it will pay the overdue debt on Legoland by mid-December. That's a month earlier than initially planned. The Bank of Korea also decided to temporarily expand the list of accepted collateral for loans to commercial banks in a bid to help ease the credit crunch. And then just today, the nation's five major financial groups pledged 95 trillion won in liquidity by the year's end. So, Professor Park, what do you make of these measures? Well, I mean, those measures uh, are necessary, unavoidable uh, in the current situation. Uh, the question is whether those measures are sufficient uh, to relieve the credit crunch in the bond market. Uh, that I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Uh, the thing is, I mean, even with the uh, huge uh, infusion of the money into the market, still there is a certain uh, credit crunch in the uh, bond market. Uh, recently, you know, uh, Capco failed to get enough bidders for the three-year corporate bonds. Also, Korea Gas Corp and Incheon Housing and City Development Corp has the same kind of difficulties. Because of that, the government urged the banks uh, stepping and uh, to uh, throw the money into the companies. But, you know, the, the finan- financing by the bank uh, cannot totally replace the bond market. Mm. So uh, we need more fundamental and uh, substantial, actually, change and measure uh, to revitalize the uh, bond market. So, you know, also the Bank of Korea may uh, step in uh, at the end of the day because, you know, even the the a commercial bank may not have enough money to support all the uh, monetary demand from the uh, state-run companies and the companies. Then, you know, because I mean, they have the deposit from the consumers, and they may issue the bonds in the market, but the, the market is already tightened up, and raising the money uh, from the consumers are limited. So, if the the uh, credit market, the bond market are not stabilized, then probably BOK have to be stepping in and infuse the money into the market. That contradicts with the, uh, the stance of increasing interest rate mm. to reduce the inflationary pressure. So the, it, it is really a bad situation and difficult situation uh, faced by the Korean government and Bank of Korea. Mr. Yu, what do you make of the situation? What is your assessment of the measures so far? Some have said uh, the Bank of Korea is in between a rock and a hard place, really. Now, if you look at the numbers, right, the first thing that happened is the guarantee related to only $205 billion, Okay, That is very small amount as a percentage of GDP or the corporate bond market. Uh, if you look at the total size of the corporate bond market itself, uh, or the debt ratio of the Korean companies is not that high. So uh, I think that this kind of action has caused the uncertainty and regarding the government side, 
Uh, and as you know, Korea's government leverage ratio as a percent of GDP is one of the lowest. So this kind of caused the you know, credibility of all things, even though the level of the debt is not that high. And then we're linking this up to the consumer side of debt, which is very high as a percent of GDP. So everybody just very confused why this is happening. Uh, obviously, this, uh, you know, obviously the construction companies or the PF market uh, is related to the real estate market, and real estate is related to the consumer debt level. So it's all kind of a creating a vicious cycle of causing a problem to be much bigger than what it really is. So uh, this kind of, uh, you know, governments, uh, you know, local government trying to do something like this was stupidest thing that I could ever think about in terms of the policy ways. Uh, I think that we need to change the system itself, and we need to really recognize uh, what needs to be done in terms of the creating a better system uh, and better credibility to the uh, global market in terms of the maturity period as well as interest rate management. Sure, that sounds like more long-term uh, solutions. But in the short term, uh, Korea will be looking to stabilize the situation. Uh, do you think um, the actions taken by the government and the Bank of Korea will at least help for now? Yes, I think that uh, you know, announcing this kind of amount of the size, I think that's more than enough at, at this point in time. Yes. But uh, Professor Pak has also mentioned how there is perhaps a contradiction in the fact that the BOK is also trying to uh, hike the benchmark interest rate as well. Right. I think that we should not be focusing on in terms of raising interest rate uh, as much as what Fed is doing, uh, U.S. government. Uh, we think that if you look at the level of the uh, le leverage ratios itself and the government bond, uh, if you look at the total size of government debt, uh, it is only 50 percent of GDP and therefore uh, in terms of the interest rate burden, it's much less. But if you think about the consumer debt uh, segment, uh, it is much higher. So therefore, we think that the domestic consumption or the GDP figures will be highly linked to the interest rate environment. So uh, I think that announcing where we will just follow the interest rate to the level of what Fed is doing, it will cause even more bigger problems. We should be uh, saying that the Korean government's fundamental is so strong, and therefore we don't need to uh, have a higher interest rate environment than the U.S., and that should be the way to go. Uh, but this kind of, uh, you know, not guaranteeing uh, companies by government, obviously that causes the uncertainty and reject up the interest rate. So, uh, yes, we do need to uh, uh, create much better way of dealing things. But at this point in time, I think that in terms of the actual fundamental numbers, uh, I don't think that... Um, uh, government is doing the wrong thing by uh, providing this kind of liquidity to the system. Okay, we'll leave it there. We've been speaking to Daniel Yu from Yuanta Securities and Professor Park Sang-in from Seoul National University. Thank you both for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the Korea 24 Stock and Forex Update. The benchmark Korea Composite Stock Price Index rose 41.61 points, or 1.81% on Tuesday, closing the day at 2,335.22. The tech-heavy Kosdaq also rose, gaining 4.72 points, or 0.68%, to close at 700.05. On the foreign exchange, the local currency strengthened 7.11 against the dollar, ending the day at 1,417.21.
You can check Korean stock and forex closings at world.kbs.co.kr. We continue on now to our regular daily segment, Korea Trending, where we take a look at some of the other news stories that have been trending online. And for that, we have with us in the studio our contributor, Walter Lee. Walter, hello. It's good to see you. Hello, Chang-ho. It's always good to see you. Okay, so what topics do you have for us today? Okay, so first we'll discuss a lost and found center that was set up for items that were recovered at the site of the Itaewon crowd crush. We'll also find out how a couple was able to help a person who was hurt in the crowd crush amid total chaos. And finally, we'll talk about a 2.9 magnitude earthquake that occurred in Kwesan County on Tuesday morning. Okay, so a couple of stories related to the Itaewon disaster and one others. Uh, let's get started that first one then, Walter. Yeah, so police in Yongsan District set up a lost and found centre on Monday night for lost items that were recovered from the site of the Itaewon crowd crush that killed more than 150 people last Saturday. Now, the centre was set up at a multi-purpose gymnasium in the district in a bid to return to families the belongings of those who either died or were injured in the crowd surge. Now, a total of 124 bags, 258 items of clothing, 256 pairs of shoes and 156 electronic devices can be found in the center. The items, were, when weighed, are estimated to total around one and a half tons. Wow, so one and a half tons of items that were left at the scene that paints uh, quite a picture of yeah. how chaotic the scenes were that day. So how long will the centre be in operation? Okay, so just until this Sunday. So items can be retrieved following an ID confirmation. Now, one police officer said that confirming the owners of lost bags is expected to be less difficult given that most of the bags recovered had all their belongings intact. As for IDs and cell phones that were collected at the site of the accident, they are being stored separately at the Yongsan police station. Uh, so were the lost items collected solely from that narrow alley where the tragic incident took place? Uh, no, they were not. According to the police, the lost items were also collected near Itaewon subway station, as many victims were moved near the station to receive CPR. Now, one officer said that the most notable items that were retrieved were 66 shoes that had no matching pair, adding that many of the victims were found shoeless. Pictures from the centre show that the items are laid out uh, by type in a large hall and it's just haunting and heartbreaking to see. Hopefully some treasured items will be returned to their owners and their families, but I suspect much will remain uncollected. Mm. OK, as the days go by, uh, more stories and information about the night of the incident are being revealed and our next story is a more positive one, right? Yes, so we do have a story of how one of the people who got hurt in the Itaewon crowd crush was safely transported to the hospital by two strangers. Now, the story came out after the father of the young woman who survived the terrible ordeal revealed what happened to them that night. This father, in his 60s, rushed to Itaewon in a cab after his 21-year-old daughter called him, telling him that people next to her had died. She later texted him to help her and that she was scared and explained to him what happened. The daughter also says she thought she broke her leg in the process of getting out of the crowd. Now, the father ended up running some one and a half kilometers when his cab was forced to stop due to heavy traffic around the Itaewon area. 
Yes, I'm sure he would have run 150 kilometres. Of course. Uh, knowing his daughter was hurt. Where did he find her in the end? He found her lying on the floor of a police station along with three others and instantly realised that her condition required immediate medical attention. He decided to carry his daughter on his back toward the road in hopes of catching a cab to the hospital as emergency services were all focused on responding to the deaths. However, he was unable to find a taxi due to the chaos near the site and even sought help from passing cars, but to no avail. Okay, so where do these two strangers then that you mentioned earlier come in? Well, just when he thought he was out of options, the father was approached by a couple in their 30s who offered to take them to the hospital. The couple drove the father and daughter to a hospital in Yoido, but it was already overwhelmed with other victims. The couple didn't stop there and ended up taking the two to a hospital in Bundang, near where the father and daughter live. Wow, so for those who don't know Korea very well, Pundang is actually quite far. It's mm-hmm. uh, not even in Seoul city, in fact. Right. It's part of Gyeonggi province, and it's about 30 kilometers from Yeoido. So that is a very generous act by the couple indeed. How is uh, the daughter doing meanwhile? Well, thanks to the couple, she is said to be no longer in danger and getting treatment in the general ward. On his social media, the father thanked the couple, saying it had taken them some four hours to get to the hospital in Bundang. Mm. He said he had offered the Good Samaritans money to express his gratitude, but they declined and went about their way. Right, it doesn't surprise me that it took four hours in the end. Thankfully, her injuries were not life-threatening, and it's good to hear that she's doing well, and it's, of course, great to hear stories of uh, people helping each other in times of need as well. Let's move on to our final story. What else has been trending today? Yeah, so a 2.9 magnitude earthquake occurred in Kwesan County in North Chungcheon province on Tuesday morning. Now, according to the Korea Meteorological Administration, or KMA, the earthquake was reported at 2.27 a.m., about 11 kilometers northeast of Kwesan County. The depth of the epicenter was estimated at 14 kilometers. Yes, didn't this same area experience a quake just a few days earlier? Yeah, that is correct. So two back-to-back earthquakes shook the same county last Saturday. A magnitude 3.5 tremor hit a village in northeastern Kwesan, followed by a 4.1 magnitude quake just 16 seconds later. Take note that the 4.1 magnitude quake is the strongest one detected on the Korean peninsula this year. At the time, authorities received 19 reports of property damage in Kwesan, Chungju City and Umsong County. Okay, and how about today's quake? How many reports were made? What we know is that the fire authorities from North Chungcheong Province received 41 calls from local residents in the nearby areas who felt a tremor asking about the quake. Now, one Kwesan resident told KBS that they were lying in bed when they felt the ground shake. And a resident of Chungju City told reporters that they were sitting on their couch when they felt a tremor for about two seconds. Now, they described it as weaker than the one that occurred last Saturday. Hmm. Still, uh, consecutive quakes, I'm Mm. sure, will concern local residents as South Korea doesn't really get a lot of quakes. Uh, How many quakes has the nation seen so far this year? Well, Tuesday's tremor is the 62nd quake with a magnitude of two or higher to strike the Korean Peninsula this year. But I understand that on average, Korea gets about 70 per year. So it doesn't seem to be particularly high this year, likely meaning we don't have anything to panic about. But it is still quite unsettling. 
Okay, we'll wrap it up there for today's career trending. Thank you for those stories, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. And that's where we wrap up our show for today. We will continue to bring you the latest updates, analysis of key stories from Korea at the same time tomorrow. So we hope you can join us again then. I've been your host, Kwon Jang-ho, and thank you as always for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>